WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 100. What? I say that like I haven't been announcing all of the episode numbers up until now. All about The Hobbit. Chapter 13, Not at Home. Being the 100th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I am joined by Travis of The Fantasy Inn. Welcome, Travis. Hey, Mary Clay. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so the t- uh, I'll briefly introduce the Fantasy Inn, and you can obviously share more information about it. But uh, you guys do a lot of fantasy, uh, specifically um, book genre fantasy related things. And I was like, surely there's someone here who is a Lord of the Rings fan or a Tolkien fan, and I will find them. And so that's how I found you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I. Uh- I am definitely probably one of the more casual Tolkien fans compared to uh, past guests you've had on the show before. I was listening to some other episodes to prep for this and see what I was in for. But I have, uh, I know we're not going to be going into the movies, but I have seen, I think, all of the movies for The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So I'm caught up on that and I've read all the books. So that that is what I call a casual Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> the fact that you've read the books at all, I think, makes you a great Lord of the Rings fan because there are a lot of people who are just purely movie watchers. And that's okay because the Tolkien's books are dense. I mean, The Hobbit is totally different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, w- uh, I- I've said it before and I'll always say it. The This podcast is for all levels of fandom. I've had people on who have uh, been new to the book with me. I think I had a couple people early on in maybe Fellowship um, and Two Towers who were kind of new to the books as well. And then there are some people who are lifelong fans and some people I had on for movies who had never read the books at all. So yeah, everyone is welcome here. Um, we do not gatekeep Tolkien because <laughs> Tolkien is a dead man and why would we gatekeep something that was written 70 years ago? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about your uh, like history with Lord of the Rings and when you first either watched or, or read it or, or whatever happened? Yeah, so my dad used to be big into fantasy. And he showed me, I think my first introduction was the original Hobbit animated movie from like Mm-hmm. 1977 somewhere around that time uh and so i was i was young i was like maybe eight years old or so at the time and i loved it it was like my kind of thing um but then that was right before the fellowship of the ring movie released and i don't know if this was normal but my parents were one of the parents that you know they felt very strongly about pg-13 movies only being for people uh... older than 13 <laughs> And my dad knew how much I liked like the Hobbit and the idea of Lord of the Rings. So he had me convinced that Lord of the Rings was like the scariest, darkest, bloodiest, goriest movie in the history of the world. And so like I had actual (laughs) nightmares about it until I finally got to see it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I was like, wait, this is what you were talking about. This is great. This is nothing. Um, But yeah, so that was kind of my background there. I think I've probably seen the first and third movie each once in the second movie about 20 times. I don't know that's, that's how that worked hilarious. out. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people love the second one. Um, is there, A lot of people say Two Towers is the best of the trilogy or it's their favorite. So that checks out. It, I believe that. It's yeah. 90% of my knowledge of Lord of the Rings now because I have a very limited knowledge for what happens in the final movie. 
because I've seen the second one so many times. Yeah. And also the third one is so long. It's so long. Uh, once yeah. it goes over three hours, you're like, okay, this is, <laughs> we just finished our like fourth battle and we're not even done yet. <laughs> it is a lot. I do remember that Return of the King had like five or six endings in it and it kept mm-hmm. fading yeah. to black and then you'd get another ending. I believe um, there's like three to, f- it depends on like what you would qualify as an official fade out because mm-hmm. um, there's a couple fade to whites um, and then there's a couple like fade to blacks and some of them don't fully fade to white before it brings back up on a new scene. So it's definitely <laughs> three to four. I know I, I had yeah. to get specific uh, covering those. But yeah, it's like three to four of them. Um, and even that there was still supposed to be more. Really? There's supposed to be more. Yeah. Oh, there's this whole thing in in Return of the King, um, the book, where they come back to the Shire mm. and it's been totally corrupted and taken over, and they have to do like a Hobbit uprising, and Saruman is there and gets his throat cut by Worm Tongue. It was supposed to be a lot more graphic than in the extended edition of Return of the King, uh, which. He's not even they're not even in the theatrical edition of Return of the King. That's a story for another time. But anyway, yeah, like as long as as many endings as there are for Return of the King, there was even supposed to be more that they cut out. And that's what's so funny wow. to me. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I'm not surprised that they left that part out, though. That does seem to yeah. be like uh, pacing oh, it, wise kind of odd to happen at the yeah, end. Yeah, it makes zero narrative sense. <laughs> I don't know what Tolkien was doing or what his editor was doing by letting him add this in. But yeah, it's a weird part of the book. You're like, I feel like I just read an entirely different book <laughs> at the end of this already long book. Yep. <laughs> oh, and the, the other thing I was going to say is that listeners, if you're if you happen to be binging uh that's what I'm talking about. Or maybe you're listening to a bunch of episodes in a row, catching up or something. Just take a point, you know, count how many times a guest says like, oh, my dad really loved fantasy <laughs> or Lord of the Rings. Because it, it happens a lot where it's always like everyone's dad was really obsessed with Lord of the Rings or something and, and like pass that on to their children. So... <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. So this chapter is chapter. Oh, actually, before we even jump into the chapter, congratulations, listeners, you and I have made it. This is episode 100, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, And I was like, maybe I'll, I was thinking of like something cool and special to do for episode 100. And I came up with nothing. So this is it. Uh, we made it. Congratulations. And now we're going to talk about this fairly once again uneventful chapter of the hobbit i'm sorry guys i didn't (laughs) tolkien wrote it be mad at him okay (laughs) it makes for a really thrilling episode 100 yes super thrilling it would have been great maybe i could have like gone back and and finagled it to have the previous chapter be episode 100 because that's a really exciting chapter (laughs) but i'm happy for this also to be chap for this to be episode 100 so um because i can't i don't even think i can remember like what episode 50 was i don't know they're always just because i have to go in like a like a already predetermined order i can never really deviate and like do something special for a special episode or anything so it's always just going to be some kind of discussion of tolkien Uh, so <clears throat> the previous chapter ended with Smaug flying off, uh, presumably to attack Lake Town. Yikes for them is all I can say. 
I wonder if we'll check back in with them. I don't know. I feel like there's something like something that big can't just be entirely like inconsequential. Um, but at the same time, Gandalf has been absent for the for the majority of this book now. And I have no clue like what he's doing, but he's doing something. And there's also not that much. Let's see. So my copy of the book starts on page 220. And there are 200. So there's only 60 pages left in this book. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with Smaug. But uh, for this chapter, he is... Not at home. I'm assuming that's what the name of the chapter is for, is that Smaug is not at home. <laughs> that would that would make sense. And I'm glad you talked first about this because I was going to ask you if it's Smog or Smaug. I'm not really sure. I know. Yeah. I've been saying Smaug because I, I remember when the movies were coming out, hearing like people talking about it or, or maybe like watching interviews or something where people would say like Desolation of because one of the movies is called Desolation of Smaug. And some people would say smog and and then they would get like berated. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, then maybe I should say smog. And now it's just, yeah, second nature. But if you say smog, I also won't penalize you for that because um, I have definitely done worse pronunciations of worse things. Yeah, I, I will in, try to say it book. correctly then, but no guarantees, especially because I learned that uh, there's also a lot of debate around how you actually pronounce Tolkien's name. Because I say Tolkien, most people I know say Tolkien, but apparently a lot mm -hmm. of people also say Tolkien. So yes, so I believe it is. It, I, I say it wrong. I fully <laughs> accepted that. I was like, I understand, guys. So I believe it is pronounced Tolkien. Mm. However, the pun doesn't work as well when you say that's what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, it's not as about. good. That's why I like Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry, J.R.R. Uh, this is for the sake of a pun. Hopefully you can appreciate that. You were a, a, a wordsmith, so appreciate it. Um, hopefully he's not rolling over in his grave or coming to haunt me. I worry about that every now and then, that J.R.R. Tolkien is going to, I'm going to do something so blasphemous. <laughs> that that <laughs> would kind of be a be badge like... <laughs> of honor, though, if he did actually pull that off. <laughs> uh, if he rose from the grave and came to haunt me because I said smog instead of smog instead of smaug or something no that won't happen um yeah smaug has has uh flown off and the dwarves and bilbo are all trapped in this tunnel the door that they used to enter was destroyed from the outside um and there was also like a cave-in sort of so they can't even get back to the door so they're just stuck in there um and they're not even sure for how long because it's dark they are just sitting there in silence because they're afraid that anything they you know any kind of noise they make might attract Smaug or or wake him up or whatever he's doing because they're not sure what he's up to and then finally they're like well we have to do something um otherwise we're gonna stay here and die uh and Bilbo is very hopeful and he do he's done this a lot so far in the book he'll say like well my father used to say and his dad at this point in the book has had a lot of sayings <laughs> <laughs> that he said there was one that was like every worm has a so that was it it was like every worm has a soft spot and i'm like isn't that just <laughs> the entire worm <laughs> you're like yeah you know that's what my dad always told me too i yeah, guess that's just weird. a common saying yeah <laughs> um so he says that his father used to say while there's life there's hope and third time pays for all bilbo's invigorated and once again he's having to do everything for this group He's carrying their weight because they are just so useless. <laughs> yeah, although I will say, like, 
just from the very start, I was surprised that it said that they were waiting for days in that dark tunnel before they even tried the door to get out. Right? Yeah. (laughs) If it was pitch dark, I think I could maybe have lasted one day. And by that, I mean, I probably would have thought it was a day after two or three hours and then just been like, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to try it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I can... I can understand like wanting to be absolutely sure that Smaug isn't on the other side of that door or, you know, whatever before you, you know, try and talk and come up with a plan. But yeah, they sit there and wait for a long time until the air has gotten stale and they're like, well, we have to do something. Otherwise, we're going to stay here and suffocate. And I think Thorin says something like, I'd rather if we go and test that door out and Smaug is on the other side and he like burns us to a crisp. I would rather be eaten by a dragon than die in this tunnel. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's one way to see it. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yes, the final Bilbo's finally like, come on, guys, buck up. That's the spirit. Let's keep going. So he leads them toward down the tunnel to Smaug's lair. Um, and he's pretty confident in himself because he's already done this twice before. He kind of brags. Um, and I was really surprised because it mentions that Thorin was the first to go by Bilbo's side. He was like up by the front. And so far in the book, Thorin has very much taken a backseat to everything and has been like, I'm important, so everyone else do things <laughs> for me. Um, you know, other people put themselves in danger first. So I was really surprised that Thorin was like, I'll walk with you, Bilbo, up by the front, closest to the potential dragon. I mean, yes, but also I feel like he immediately flips back again because, uh, first of all, he's like really definitely a grump. And they're getting oh, ready yeah. to go and like try to investigate and everything. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's like, look, Bilbo, if you want to light a torch, that's all well and good. But we are perfectly good back here in the darkness where it's safe. So go yeah. on. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, if you want to die, that's on you. We are going to stay where we think it's safe. So you have fun. Let us know. Uh, send us a, a postcard if you think it's safe. And so, yeah, Bilbo, like, stumbles, uh, they they make their way towards um, the lair, and this is when, yeah, Thorin does backtrack pretty quickly, so that little ounce of credit I gave him is already gone. <laughs> um, and he, it says, Thorin, as Thorin carefully explained, Mr. Baggins was still officially their expert burglar and investigator, and I love that, that Technically, Bilbo's done his job, though. He's led them into the mountain, and he's successfully snuck into the dragon lair and stolen them, I think, one, so far, at least, like, one piece of treasure. So, like, technically, his job is done. If I was Bilbo, I would be like, okay, fine, y'all, good luck with your lives. I'm going to go grab a handful of this gold or whatever, and I'm off, and you can figure out the rest. (laughs) Yeah, I think the kind of non-helpful dwarves and Bilbo who definitely has the least adventuring experience out of all of them by a long shot. Uh, The fact that he's so competent in all of these that definitely adds to I think Tolkien definitely wrote this as like something he could read out loud to his kid Mm -hmm. or something Um, and definitely feels like there was like yeah you know the small little hobbit who didn't know what he was doing he was the brave one and this big well I guess not big but this dwarf uh, Thorin is like you know what I'm good in the back you go ahead Bilbo. 
Yeah, Tolkien loves having these. Um, and that's why, he, you know, the heroes in The Lord of the Rings are hobbits, too. He loves this notion of, like, huge acts of, like, hero- like acts of heroicism don't necessarily always have to come from, like, big, burly, strong kings like Aragorn or anything, you know? They can come in the unlikeliest of places, and that's all about what the, the Hobbit is about, is, yeah, Bilbo going through this, all of this, like, character growth on his own of of like coming into his own as an adventurer to the point where he's better at it now than the people who like shanghaied him into doing this in the first place (laughs) yeah absolutely i guess i i don't actually know i'm not like knowledgeable enough to know if this is one of the first like quote unquote farm boy type stories but i do like that it's as if it's a farm boy story where it's literally Mm -hmm. just a farm boy you don't have like this like epic backstory that you're hidden away on a farm somewhere and you're secretly magical royalty he's just you know bilbo the hobbit who likes throwing dinner parties and eating a lot yeah, the only thing that like really kind of makes Bilbo stand out from any of the hobbits is that he uh, comes from this line of family in the hobbits, the Tooks, who have been like known to be um, like adventurous. And when I say adventurous, even in t- in like terms of like what hobbits think of as adventurous, isn't even you know adventurous, but like um, the Tooks are very like outspoken and like wild and crazy and it's just like that little part of him that longs for this this adventure and yeah that's there's nothing special about him and that's something that like I wondered when I started the book um and reading the first couple chapters is because when Gandalf uh appears at the start and he and Bilbo start talking and he marks he he marks Bilbo's front door with a sign so that the dwarves will know to come to his house the next day. And I've wondered this whole time, I'm like, so what is it about Bilbo that like Gandalf chose him to do this? Because when they meet, Bilbo doesn't even recognize him at first. So clearly they're not super close friends because he doesn't even recognize him. So yeah, it's definitely like heroes arise in the most unexpected places and you don't have to be the chosen one to do anything yeah although i guess gandalf had some plan in mind i don't know what it was i don't know (laughs) yeah i never know with that dude (laughs) yeah i mean especially this whole book the hobbit gandalf is off doing his own thing for very important reasons i'm sure yeah, and I've heard, I mean, it has to have been since they since they made the movie into three parts, but I've heard that they do show Gandalf's, like, whatever he's up to, that they do show his side of the story and, like, his perspective and whatever he's up to. So, like, that'll be cool to see. Um, and I did have someone leave me a comment and say, oh, you should go back and read the Council of Elrond from Fellowship of the Ring because Gandalf mentions something that has to do with whatever he's off doing here. Mm. Uh, so there are, from from what I've heard from other people, there are other places I can go to to learn what Gandalf is up to. But for right now, he just disappeared. And the second he disappeared, it went downhill for the dwarves <laughs> and Bilbo. They immediately made several mistakes. And anytime they get into like, a little bit of a pickle. Bilbo's like, oh, I wish Gandalf was here to tell us what to do. <laughs> yep. So I wonder if we'll, yeah, so like there's 60 pages left. I wonder if Gandalf is going to make an appearance again. That would be great because I, I do have this expectation that he's going to show up at some point because otherwise that means we said goodbye to him 
like several chapters ago and that makes me sad that like i would have said goodbye to him without realizing it but anyway yeah (laughs) yeah so bilbo um uh i think he has the ring on at this point but it mentions that like it's so dark it wouldn't even matter uh smog is definitely not there so he goes out um and he has a torch with him and he goes into this layer where all the treasure is and he starts climbing towards the top of like one of the all i'm imagining is in ducktales uh and how like scrooge what yeah scrooge mcduck is that his name? Yeah. I think we'll, so. We'll like dive into like the the thing of, of gold coins. That's just the vastness of, of gold coins that I'm imagining. And so he's like climbing a mountain of it and he sees it's a like small light that's glimmering towards the top and it's uh, very mesmerizing. And it is the Arkenstone, the heart of the mountain. Uh, and this is what in the previous chapter... Some of the dwarves were kind of like daydreaming about like, oh, I wonder if this like really like historic, important artifact to our people will be in there. Or I wonder if like these shields or these swords or whatever. Oh, but what I really would love to see is if the Arkenstone was there. That is our like most prized possession. And Bilbo is here and he's looking at it and he's like, it is pretty cool. (laughs) Which kind of makes Bilbo sound like a jerk when you think about it. Oh, yeah. He's just like, yeah, they were all talking about it. I'm sure it's fine. They said I could pick whatever I want, right? And just like pockets it. He fully exploits like whatever loophole they've told him of like, you can take your share of the treasure. And he's like, okay, um, I choose that my share of the treasure is literally the most prized piece of this entire treasure. Yep. And just this one thing. And it says, yeah, it says, now I am a burglar indeed, but I suppose I must tell the dwarves about it. And then there's a like hyphen sometime. Like, I'll tell them <laughs> eventually. Yep. They did say I could pick and choose my own share. And I think I would choose this if they took all the rest. So on one hand, yes, Bilbo's totally being an asshole and he is exploiting the dwarves and he is kind of stealing from them because they're not even there to see this happening. He is taking the Arkenstone and hiding from it and lying to them about it uh, and pretending that it just wasn't there. And I don't know, maybe some time in the future, it'll just, it's just going to fall out of his pocket and they're going to be like, what you got there, Bilbo? <laughs> mm, yep, that would be awkward. But uh, I can't really sympathize too much with the dwarves because again, same. coming back to Thorin, uh, who has pretty much all of the speaking parts for the dwarves, except for a couple exceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bilbo is off there and like, I guess he slips and falls and the torch goes out or something like that. And uh, Thorin's like, well, I guess the dragon didn't kill him or we wouldn't hear that obnoxious squeaking sound coming from over there. Yeah, it's like, yeah. man, that's cold, Thorin. Yeah, Thorin's <laughs> not my favorite. <laughs> and I um I post it so every week on the Instagram account for Tolkien About, um, I do fan art Friday and I'll repost some fan art. And last week I posted some fan art of Thorin, and the caption was like the more I read The Hobbit, the more I dislike Thorin. And there are a lot of people in the comments who are upset by that. So um, <laughs> I'm wondering this is I'm wondering if this is going to be Boromir all over for me when I was reading the books. I absolutely despise Boromir. And there are so many people who despised <laughs> me for despising Boromir. And they're like, just wait. He gets better. Like, you're going to love him. And I was like, when? When am I going to love him? He died. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
Yep. So yep. I get so I'm kind of like that where I'm like, okay, I wonder what happens in these last sixty pages. That's going to make me supposedly love Thorin, or at least not dislike him as much as I. Yeah, do. and I'll I'll split some of the heat with that with you because I also am not a Boromir fan. So. Oh yes! Yep. Let it be on the, the record. <laughs> Welcome to the club. There are several of us, and that's it. Just several. Oh, stop booing! There's nothing wrong with it. There are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> yep. I am a Sean Bean fan, so that was good in the movies, but not a Boromir fan. <laughs> yeah. Not a Boromir fan. I'm just not. Sorry, guys. Sorry. There's a reason that <laughs> Pippin named his son after Faramir and not Boromir. <laughs> just saying. Um, so yeah, Bilbo is 100% exploiting the the dwarves and kind of stealing fr- from them. And I don't exactly blame him. And I'm not exactly like, Bilbo, that's not the right thing to do because they've been so horrible to him pretty much the whole time. And anytime they've gotten him out of a sticky situation, they, they've been like, okay, well, now what? Or or they found some other... Oh, like in the previous chapter, they made Bilbo go off and investigate the dragon and everything. And he came back with some treasure. And then at one point, Smaug woke up and like you know, started wreaking all this havoc. And then they started blaming Bilbo. They're like, look what you did. And he's like, you hired me to do this. Yep. <laughs> so yep. I don't blame him. And like, even now stealing from them, like they're the only people who've been telling him and hyping him up this whole time. Like, hey, you're our expert burglar. Go burgle. And what yeah. do you know? He's burgling he's like, you know them. what? <laughs> I- I'm going to burgle exactly like they have told me to do. Um, so yeah, so he grabs the, he, he takes the Arkenstone for himself, um, and, uh, as he is trying to, like, feel his way around and maybe make his way to the other side of the lair, his, uh, his torch goes out, and he is just screaming, he's like, help, help, literally anyone, the light's gone out, yeah, and this is when Thorin's like, well, if, if he had been eaten, we wouldn't be hearing his obnoxious screaming. So he must be alive. Let's go investigate. <laughs> oh, and then also props to Balin um, or Balin or, but yeah, I, I he's, a, he's a name that I never know how to pronounce. And I think I say yeah. it differently every time. But um, Balin is the one who steps up and is like, it's our, t-, he says, it's a, it is about our turn to help. And I'm quite willing to go. Anyway, I expect it is safe for the moment. So I love that Balin is like, come on, guys. Like, Bilbo yeah. has done a lot. Let, like, it's time for us to do maybe like 1% of the work here. <laughs> Yeah, he was definitely the voice of reason among the dwarves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what makes it even sadder when you know what happens to him uh, in Moria in The Lord of the Rings. Which oh, no. when I was <laughs> wait, do you do you remember? I don't remember that. Okay, so in uh, so in the movie when they come into Moria and they come into a tomb, that is so Gimli is Balin's cousin. And at one point he says to Gandalf when they're like trying to decide like which way to go, Gimli's like, let's go to Moria. My cousin Balin would give us um, a warm welcome. And oh. they get they get there and that's where they've discovered that all of the dwarves there have been killed because there have been there was some war and battle that broke out with the goblins and they all died. And so they find the tomb of Balin and they read like his last it's a journal where like he was writing down like to the last second as they were like beating down the door um and that's what happens to Balin it's really depressing wow. 
See, I remember that scene, but I didn't make the yeah. connection that it's the same Balin from The Hobbit. So, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> well, so that's the thing is that like when I was reading the book, because um, I did it all out of order, um, you know, The Hobbit chronologically and, and also like in publishing order came out first. But I read Lord of the Rings first. So I had no context for like who Balin was. And so people I was talking with were like, oh, yeah, Balin, like, Bal-, and I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, he was Gimli's cousin. I guess that's kind of sad. Uh, all right, but anyway, uh, there's a Balrog coming. And then, so I just didn't really, yeah, I didn't really care. But like now that I have this context and I'm like, oh, that is sad. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I'll fast forward that part from from now on so I don't have to think about it. <laughs> but yeah, it's the same Balin. Uh-huh. And then Gloin or Gloin, depending on how you pronounce it, uh, is Gimli's father. Okay. Um, one of the, yeah. And then I think Oin must be his cousin. I think they're all distantly cousins anyway. It's kind of like the hobbits. They're all like distantly related anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's right. That's how I got on, onto that track is that Balin's a homeboy. Um, and he's the best one of all of the dwarves. And so they make their way over towards Bilbo and they're like, oh, good. I'm glad you're alive. Let's um, let's look at all this treasure now. And they were also um, the treasure has this like mesmerizing effect on all of them. And he's also and so they're all they're all like slowly looking over everything and taking it all in and trying to figure out like what did they want to take? Um, because obviously it's a huge treasure they can't just take everything so they have to like pick and choose whatever is most precious to them um keely and feely take some harps um what else there's like gems being taken like coat of arms and axes and and things like that uh but no arkenstone uh wonder where that went (laughs) that's that's weird but like it's very clear it's a um it meant this is like the narrator saying this it says like thorin's looking around for something he could not find it was the arkenstone but he spoke of it yet to no one so this is very clearly um you know bilbo like rationalizing this in his brain that like well i mean if maybe if he had asked has anyone seen the arkenstone <laughs> i would have spoken up so i didn't technically lie to them i just did not tell them the full truth, where he he is very deliberately hiding the Arkenstone from them. Yeah, he's not a liar, but he's definitely not a truther. Yes, 100%. Thorin gifts Bilbo his like first official piece of payment, and it's this chain mail that's made of mithril uh, that the... Elves, the elves call it, but it's this very uh, like valuable and also like strong material that basically makes it impenetrable. And this is what Bilbo passes on to Frodo in Lord of the Rings. Is that the first mention of Mithril in this scene right here, or has it been around earlier in The Hobbit? Um, I can't remember. It's possible it could have been mentioned earlier, maybe when they were talking about like the treasure or something. Okay. But I believe this is the first, like at least significant mention of it. Yeah. Gotcha. And it also seems to be like the only actually good treasure that they carried out, other than the Arkenstone that they carried out of this because they're going around and they're like, oh no, like Smaug could come back and kill us all, but let's throw a party and get gold armor. Isn't that, isn't gold soft, right? I'm not making that up. That doesn't seem like it would be a great material for armor. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's see. 
Royal indeed did Thorin look clad in a coat of gold-plated ring. Okay, so he's wearing rings. Um, Yeah, they are just taking, like, whatever they can. But, yeah, this is kind of one of the old... Oh, because I think it mentions that the... um that the mithril chainmail that they give him it was wrought for a young elf prince long ago so i love that they're giving it to bilbo because it was made for like an elf child <laughs> and <laughs> and so it's small enough it's probably you know it's obviously it's bound to be too small to fit any of them and so they're like well we're never going to use it oh come here you're about the size of an elf child <laughs> here <Yeah>. you go <laughs> yep so it's like clear they're trying to pass it off as here is this great thing we found just for you but it's actually like uh no one else can use this. So yeah, here you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that is interesting to me is that um, so I always got this impression from when Bilbo gives Frodo the mithril chain shirt thing, whatever. Um, <laughs> when he gives this to him in Lord of the Rings, he kind of gives it with this like, hey, but I wouldn't let Gimli know. I wouldn't let the dwarves know that you have this because it's not really mine somehow. And so that was leading me to believe that he's he like stole it somehow or like he was just supposed to borrow it and then give it back to them. Or um, another thing that someone has a, that we've used to explain it is that um, it's very similar to the goblins in Harry Potter, where like even though they like made this and gifted it to someone else, they have this. Uh, idea that like it still belongs to them somehow but there's no question about it it's lit it is very much gifted to bilbo there's no like trickery happening here um so i don't know i just think that's interesting how like i have all these different i have all these impressions of like things that they mentioned that happened in the hobbit that are very different from what I was expecting. Yeah, so they give Bilbo this chain of Mithril and everyone starts taking, you know, whatever they can. Then they're like, well, I, it's probably time to get going because otherwise we're gonna die. Um, so they uh, get ready to go and they're all putting, they're putting um, like their cloaks over our, like armor and, and chain mail and everything. And they're putting their hats over, um, over helmets and I just think that's funny the imagery of like they have these like knights helmets on but then they decide to put their hats on yep. on top and so they all decide so they're like okay let's leave now before the dragon comes back let's quit while we're ahead finally um, some sense <laughs> yes yeah and uh Thorin is very, you know, he's very much like, oh, don't worry, like, we'll come back for all this someday. And they're like, well, the dragon has to be dead for that to happen. So good luck with that. <laughs> so yeah, so they start moving towards the part of, I almost said Moria, they are not in Moria, <laughs> um, towards the part of the mountains that the dwarves are familiar with, because they just came in through the back entrance. But this is the part that Thorin is familiar with, that they built... Um, and they come across like an old throne room that's been totally destroyed and there are skulls and bones scattered around it. Um, and so they're just going through like the ruins of what this used to be. Um, and they eventually come out into nature and sunshine, um, which is something that they haven't seen for a while now because they according to Bilba's narration at the start of the chapter they appeared to have been there for days and days 
they're very happy to to be taking a like literal breath of fresh air. And I'm glad that Bilbo is very much on brand as a hobbit for his first thought yep. being, now what are we going to do about breakfast? Yes. Yes, exactly. Priorities. He has them set mm-hmm. straight. Um, yeah, he notices that it's uh, early in the day and he's like, well, that means it's breakfast time. So let's have breakfast. Like, where, where's where's breakfast? This is important now. Um, and he says, I wonder how many breakfasts and other meals we have missed inside that nasty, clockless, timeless hole. <laughs> nasty, clockless, timeless hole. Wow. That was a lot of words and like insults. I never really realized that as I was reading it <laughs> until now. Um, in all fairness, in all fairness, Bilbo is probably very hungry. So maybe that's yes. just the hanger. Yes, that is fair. Because um, they... Someone says, okay, we weren't in there forever. We were in there. I think they say two nights. They were in there for, yeah, they were in there. I'm assuming there was like the night that they entered and then they were in there for a day and then another night that is just ending. So it hasn't been the days and days that Bilbo led (laughs) us to believe at the start of the chapter. (laughs) But yeah, he's like, guys, it's time for breakfast. That's what's most important here. Um, Not that we escaped this dragon, not that we've escaped the mountain. We got to stop for breakfast. Um, And so someone says, oh, well, there's a lookout post that's not too far from here. We can go find that and rest there because um, this is not a great place to eat breakfast, Bilbo, because this is where the dragon's going to come back. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Priorities, Bilbo. Yeah. They work their way towards where this lookout post was um, for like the watchman when Dale was in its prime um, and when they were thriving and everything. And there's been a lot of destruction uh, as you as we probably could have imagined anyway, considering that like the reason this is starting is because Smaug had this attack on this area of the land and it's just none of it is the same of what um the people who are the the dwarves who are old enough to remember um they're like there used to be a path that went this way and it went down to this thing and then there was a bridge over here but that's gone it's all uh empty and desolate are the words that that tolkien uses um, and so they eventually make their way towards this watch post and Balin describes it. And it's funny because he's like, <laughs> he, he says um, that like back in its day, like back in the day when everything was in its prime and they were thriving, there was no need to have watchmen up here um, at this outpost because they were hardly ever in danger. But... That lulled them into this false sense of security. Yeah, uh, the guards were made over comfortable, perhaps. Otherwise, otherwise, we might have had longer warning of the coming of the dragon and things might have been different. So I just love that, like, possibly if there had been some dwarves up there at this outpost, like keeping watch, maybe this whole thing could have been prevented. <laughs> I am curious, though, because... I. Maybe this is because I'm not a visual person, but I'm trying to picture they had this outpost. If they've been paying attention, do they see Smaug flying from the distance? Like, how how much warning would that give them? And yeah. what could they do in that amount of time to stop a dragon? The only thing I can think of is that it would give them all time to escape. 
Because um, mm, it mentions uh, towards the start that like the only reason Thorin and some other people survived is because they had been away on some like hunting trip, and so they weren't at the mountain. So it could have at least given them warning to escape, and maybe there would have been more who survived this. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure what exactly else it could have done to help. Um, Maybe they could have like gotten the elves involved from the you know gotten the like wood elves involved somehow. I don't I don't know how you go about defeating a dragon, but nope. um it just I was just like so the dwarf watchmen are about as good as the guys who were keeping watch on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Basically. that's accurate. That's a good way of phrasing it. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, so point being, none of that happened. Smaug came anyway, um, but this will provide a place of shelter for them for the night, and I love this. It says, uh, Thorin says, um, like, we must take our chance uh, that they're not sure when they're going to see Smaug coming back, um, but for now he's gone, and he says, we can go no further today. Here, here, cried Bilbo, and flung himself on the ground. So I just love that imagery <laughs> of him being like, yeah, and then just collapsing immediately, Yep, which yeah. I relate to. So. And I, I feel like it was around this point, too. Isn't there, like, an entire paragraph where Tolkien just talks about this food called cram? And he's like, it's really oh, great. Shit. Yeah, that's right. I don't yeah. have the recipe. I wish I could tell you the recipe, but just trust me. It's awesome. Um, yep. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, that's what they have for their, like, quick little breakfast while they're on their way because it's all that they have. Um, let's see. Um, they have cram and water. If you want to know what cram is, I can only say that I don't know the recipe, but it is biscuit-ish, keeps good indefinitely, is supposedly to be sustaining, and is certainly not entertaining, being in fact very uninteresting except as a chewing exercise. It was made by the lake men for long journeys. So this is basically um, the early versions of lame bus bread that... The elves give them in Lord of the Rings. So this is just the the dwarf version, I guess. That makes um, more sense. I was kind of picturing it as like yeah. the instant ramen bricks before you add the water. And so they just like oh, have yeah. those taking around with them. I was imagining like a scone, but it's like completely rock hard solid or something. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. But yeah, now I need, so last year towards the start of the pandemic, I made a, I used a lame bus bread recipe um, and made it. It was very hard um, because <laughs> I'm not because, I don't think be, not because the recipe was hard, but because I am an unskilled baker. Um, and it was, my, it was pretty much, it was pretty much just like shortbread. Um, it tasted good. Um, so I'd be interested to like see what people if if anyone has like you know fans have made a like in real life recipe for cram, um, but yeah, it doesn't sound very good. It just sounds like if a Cliff Bar had no flavor to it. Yep, I, I feel like if we really wanted to, there's probably multiple recipes that are of cram. Yeah, so maybe someone out there made like a good tasting cram recipe. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll try that out one day. Not anytime soon though. <laughs> <laughs> Um and yeah yeah so they they uh stay here for for now and they all put their things down and some go to bed and some stay up to discuss their for you know their plans and they're like I wonder what Smaug is up to he's not at the east and he's not at the west and we can't see him in the south so I wonder where he is yeah they're just like oh well that's a problem for another day <laughs> <laughs> yep we've covered most of the directions he couldn't be in any others 
So I also have no, this is my problem with when Tolkien does these like very detailed descriptions in terms of like the landscape or geography is he'll be like, and then to the north, if they went to the northeast, they would have turned three leagues west and reached the mountain summit of, and I'm like, I don't know where you are. You don't need to tell me. I don't know. So I have no clue if Lake Town is north or south or east or west of where they are currently. This is I'm, probably I'm blasphemous. Yeah, I'm assuming based on that. But this is probably blasphemous. But I basically skim over all of his description of stuff like that. It's because okay. I, I cannot picture okay. it in my head. And I'm also the kind of person that if there's a map in a fantasy book, I don't look at it. I don't reference it. I'm looking at um, it's funny you say that because I'm looking at it right now just to see if I can um, figure out. OK, well, depending on like what direction they're facing, Lake Town is south of the Lonely Mountain. OK, so maybe they're just not facing the correct direction. I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. We already know <laughs> that that Smaug has gone to Lake Town because of what the narrator has told us. So um, the dwarves are probably going to be in for a rude awakening. That sucks for them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Fighting a dragon, say. maybe running from a dragon. Who knows? Who knows what that will entail? Yeah. Um, but that's that's a problem for next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Is there something that we missed or uh, like that maybe I forgot to bring up or talk about, um, such as Cram? I know it's a very important plot line. Um, is there something that we missed that you wanted to bring up? I mean, so looking at my notes, I think we hit most of the actually important ones. I have a bunch of notes on things like, how could the treasure actually stay in like reasonable condition if you throw it all in a pile, right? What about the treasure at the bottom of the hoard? That doesn't seem like it would be good. <laughs> um, it's magic, maybe, is the answer question. There we know. go. Yeah, I don't know. know if it actually is magical. I'll but... accept it. It's, it's either magical or Smaug has like a bunch of rocks that he stacks up on the bottom and then he piles the good treasure on top of it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Very useful notes for discussing this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I would believe it if there was some kind of like enchantment or something on the treasure to preserve it. Because it also mentions um, Keely and Feely pick up some harps and they're magic harps. And so they ha and then it also says like and also Smaug is a dragon and has no use for music. Um, so they have stayed perfectly in tune. So I would I would believe it if like all of this treasure is in perfectly good you know condition after all these years just because there's like some kind of enchantment or maybe Smaug has done something to it um to protect it because um dragons are so you know like greedy and protective over their treasure so I'd believe that yeah there we go and I, I actually don't know much about Mithril but I'm imagining now that like if it had worn down and was all rusted and out of shape the dwarves would be extra proud of gifting that to Bilbo. Be like, here, here is <laughs> here, your reward. Here, you can take this. <laughs> yep. And Bilbo, I mean, it's dark. Maybe he doesn't notice at first that it's rusty, and then they get out into the sunlight. He's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> yep, just what I wanted. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and then meanwhile, he's like, I'm glad I took the Arkenstone. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I deserve it after all this. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, cool. Well, that will bring us to the end of the discussion and the end of the episode. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Travis, what would you like to share with our audience um, and, and plug and where can people find you on the internet? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm part of the Fantasy Inn. You can find us at thefantasyinn.com or I think uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're very creatively just the Fantasy Inn. Uh, and we also have our own podcast called the Fantasy Inn Podcast. So yeah, check Perfect. us out. <laughs> a, one, a one and done Google search, everyone. You can just find them using one phrase, um, which I consider a blessing because... A lot of times social media handles are taken and then you're like, now I have to add pod to the end of this. And yeah, so I consider all of that a blessing that you can just do one Google search and find everything you need to find in that one thing. Yeah, we are not the, I think it's a bed and breakfast in Wisconsin called the Fantasy Inn. We're not that one. We're everything else. Oh, that sounds like a fun time. (laughs) It does actually. Listen, I mean, things are... Uh, as we're recording this, things should theoretically be getting safer to do uh, and open up. So, you know, maybe while you're on your drive to the Fantasy Inn, you can listen to uh, the Fantasy Inn podcast. <laughs> yep. And snack on some cram while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. Delicious. Delicious cram. That's What I'm talking about is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Curly Critics. Hi, I'm Curly, and she's Critic, and we're the- No, wait! Our introduction goes like this. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and we review pop culture every week. Check us out as we review New Girl. The Narnia movies. And coming very soon, Harry Potter. New episodes out every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts, or on WBNE.org. And don't forget, beavers aren't real. The cover is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at tolkienaboutpod, and you can find me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram at mcturndownforwhat. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash tolkienaboutpod, where you can become a patron like Katie, who is this week's sponsor. Katie, thank you so much for being a continued supporter and sponsor of That's What I'm Talking About. And in particular, thank you for remaining a supporter this month. So in honor of Pride Month, I will be donating all of the funds that I raise through my Patreon from the month of June, and I will be taking that and donating it to the Harry Potter Alliance. I did this last year, and I'm deciding to do it again this year because last year we donated $100, and that's absolutely amazing and wonderful, and I would love to donate that again this year. If you don't know the Harry Potter Alliance, they do a lot of amazing advocacy work on a lot of different fronts, um, and in particular, obviously, LGBT and also gender equity and equality work. And they're just an all-around great organization. I just so appreciate what they have done where they have taken a fandom and community around a work of fiction about a little boy wizard. And they have created such amazing um, activists and a lot of really positive change through it. And also, all of that is in spite of the person who created it and her absolutely terrible views. I never want to leave anything implied, so I will always say it. Trans rights matter. Trans women are real women. Trans men are real men. I love you all. Love is love. Anyway, so yes, if you would like to help me uh, support the Harry Potter Alliance this month, you can become a patron. And if you cancel your membership at the end of June, 
That's totally cool. I won't judge you for it at all. Totally understand. Or you can also just go donate directly to the Harry Potter Alliance yourself. You know, whatever your heart's content. I am one of the jean styles that you will find in Old Navy. I am an OG straight, uh, but I would like to continue to be an ally towards my fellow creators on the WBNE network. Many of them are members of the LGBT community. I'm sure many of my listeners are. So I just want to show my support and love for you all. All right, cool. That will, yeah, that uh, that is it. Do you have any parting words for our audience? Um, if you ever stumble across a giant glowing gem, take it. It's yours. Why not? And that's what I'm talking about.